You know, I'm really excited about, well, I'm always excited about every sermon because I just get excited about God's Word, but I know that this sermon is meant for somebody here today. I don't know who God does, and, and maybe by the end of this message, you will, but this is for somebody, and I want you, we're going to be looking today at the story of Jonah, but as you know the story, most of you know uh, the story of Jonah I also want you to consider the other side of that story, the Ninevites. It's really easy to get caught up on Jonah's side, but sometimes what we do is we forget about the other side. And so as we kind of walk through this, I want, to, I want you to keep both things in mind, how Jonah felt and how the Ninevites would feel. And here's the reality is how many of you have experienced, so you deserve how, how many of you believe that, that by your actions and your deeds, you deserve, by our actions, we deserve hell, right? But because of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, we received goodness, right? We received goodness, just like what we were singing about. We received something different than what I deserve. So today, I'm hoping that we, we really, really go into this. So I almost changed the sermon this week. I got to midweek, and I'm like, I'm just... I just don't know that I, I, I feel like this is the direction, and it was Friday morning that God just began to pour in that the original intention when right doesn't feel good, um, the first thing that was coming to my mind was more of like a leadership conference of, of you know, like when, when a leader makes the right, right choice or the right decision, but then people don't feel good about it, right? <laughs> That's the first thing that my mind went to. But that wasn't what the Lord wanted. He had a different plan and a different um, intention to go. And so what I want you to understand is when, I, when you see the word right, this is talking about like a choice, a decision, a behavior, an action. When you see the word good, this is more about feelings and emotions. When doing the right thing doesn't feel good. Have you ever done the right thing and it didn't feel so good? right? So that's what this is all about today is when we do the right thing and it doesn't feel good. When that happens, Jonah is the perfect story for this. This works in all kinds. This is so relevant. It's relevant on a leadership aspect. Leaders, you know, I can make the right decision. I know it's right. I know it's the best for the whole, right? There's been a lot of times where I'm like, this is what's best for the whole. We ha we're, we're outgrowing the little original building that we had. We went into two services, had people leave over going from one service to two services. Not that I had a lot of choices because there's only so many chairs. When you use up your chairs, you don't have much of a choice. I know it was the right choice. People still got upset about it, right? Then we went from, from the two services there, then we went to the Knights Hall. We lost people over going to the Knights Hall. I mean, it was hard because everybody had to get used to amen and not bingo, you know? I mean, I, I get it, I get it. You know, we didn't have a lot of, you know, it's like, Amen, bingo, I don't know. Okay, so then, you know, then when we came back over here, we went to one service. That was a tough transition. It's farther for people to drive. It's a different location. It's not the same thing that we were used to, right? Every time you make a decision, some, there's always a cost for it. So on one side, as a leader, I look at this and say, this is very relevant as a leader, but it's also relevant to each and every one of us personally. You can do the right thing in your marriage and it doesn't feel good. You can do the right thing in ministry, and it doesn't feel good. You can do the right thing in life, and, and, and the results don't feel good. You can love your enemies. That doesn't feel good. 
You can pray for the ones who are persecuting you. That doesn't feel good. You can turn the other cheek when somebody slaps you. That doesn't feel good. But it is right. It is right. So, today we're going to be looking at the story of Jonah. All right. Jonah 1, okay? So, as we look at this, I'm going to have the scripture behind us. You can see that. You can follow in your Bibles. Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Uh, Go to this great city of Nineveh. Preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. So, the Lord is recognizing the wickedness. He's saying the wickedness of this city is so great, I need you to go preach against it. Right? I need you to preach against sin. Anytime a minister refuses to preach against sin, he's not following the Word of God. That's what preachers do. You preach against sin. So, if all of us, as you struggle, we all struggle, we get our toes stepped on, right? I always say that if we haven't had our toes stepped on, we haven't laughed and we haven't cried, we probably haven't had church. All right? (laughs) All three, we should be able to laugh a little, get our toes stomped on a little, cry a little, and get over it. Get move on, pick ourselves up. So here's the thing is he says, I want you to preach again. But Jonah, see, how many times have you heard, but God, right? How many of you like, man, but God, right? That's our, our standing point. But God, but God. Here's the problem, but Jonah, right? So here's the thing is we all know when God gets involved, things are going to happen, but God. Well, here the problem is, but Jonah. So God says, I want you to go, and Jonah says, okay, I'm going somewhere else. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. It's easy for us to look at him and see all of his failures, right? But how many times have we ran away from God? How many times have we ran away from what God was asking us to do in a certain situation? Huh? Come on now. All right, I hope you guys have brought your big boy pants today or your big girl pants. All right, because this is deep, this is heavy, and this is exactly what we need today. Jonah ran away. He headed for Tarsus. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarsus to flee from the Lord. So he's fleeing from the Lord. This is the first thing that he teaches us. Jonah taught us it's not good to run from right. It's not good to run from right. But I ask this question, is why did Jonah run? Maybe Jonah had a reason to run in this moment, right? Because our human habit is we try to justify our running away from responsibility, our running away from obedience to God. We run away from God's obedience. We run away from His Word. We run away from His commands all the time. But let's just go ahead and do the human thing. Why did he run? Did he have a reason to run? I don't know if you know this, but Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Assyria is now... Um, has caused Israel and Judah to be subject to them. So Israel and Judah are slaves to Assyria. Nineveh is their capital city. So it's like Washington, D.C., right? And so, so, so Nineveh would be like the hub. This is, if, if, Nineveh would, if Nineveh would fall, Israel had a chance to get out of this mess because the kings there, the money's there, 
legislation is there. If Nineveh could be destroyed, this would be great for Israel as a nation. So does he have a reason not to want to help them? He's like, I'm in slavery because of them. If this would happen, if God would just send a big old firebolt, you know, down and, and just burn this city up, we might get out of this. See, a lot of times you have to look at it from the other side of the situation. We get so caught up in looking at only what we see, but maybe Jonah sitting here having a, a crisis in his own heart right now. He's singing, man, I want to be obedient to God. But man, if I go do that, that's not good for my people. Jonah was not the only prophet to want them judged and destroyed. Nahum also preached against Nineveh. Now Jonah gives us an answer in chapter 4. We're going to get there later, but I'm going to pop this up real quick. Jonah does give an answer of why he ran away. He says, this is chapter 4. We're going to read this two times today, but it is important for us to know why he ran from the Lord. He says, isn't it isn't this what I said, Lord? So he's having a conversation with God. He says, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? That was, is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarsus. I knew that you are a gracious, compassionate God. You are slow to anger. You're abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. He says, God, I know who you are. I know that you want to give them mercy and that you want to give them grace. I want them to die for what they did to us. Don't we do that God, I know that you're gracious. I know that you're compassionate. I know that you're loving. And I know that you want to forgive this person. I want you to slap them. Don't we do that? Come on now, let's be honest. Right? Don't we do that? And we're going to figure out why we do that. But see here, he is being honest with God. He's saying, this is why I ran from you. Because I wanted them to get what they deserve. This is heavy stuff. So how many of us run from doing the right thing because we know who God is? If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. How many of us run from God? We know what he wants us to do, but I don't want to do it because I know who he is. I know that he's loving, merciful, and gracious, and they don't deserve it. Come on. Huh? Oh, I only got one on that. Come on now. We don't want to say it because we know it's true. You know what amen means? Let it be as said. Let it be. It's the truth. We run from God because we know who he is and we have already decided what we think they deserve. We're so busy sitting on a judgment seat deciding what people deserve or don't deserve when we get to the point where we decide their punishment then we run from God of what he's actually asking us to do well I decide that they need no mercy so I'm going to run from God of offering mercy to the one who God would give mercy to because I don't think they deserve it See, Jonah made it up in his own heart. They didn't deserve this, so he ran from God. You guys ever do that? 
Huh? All right, just a moment of honesty so I know who we're speaking to. How many of you have done that in your life before? I know who God is. I don't want them to get what he's going to offer them, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to let them. They got what they deserve, right? I mean, that's what we, we, we do that. Guys, we got to step. We got to stop doing that. All right, so let me give you an example of some of the ways that we, just real quick, some of the ways that we do this. We run from obedience more than we realize. 1 Corinthians 13. Every husband, every wife, every individual should hear this, but listen to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. What? Doesn't dishonor. How many times were we mad at somebody? We dishonor the person that we're mad at just with our mouth. How many times has a husband dishonored his own wife? How many times has a wife dishonored her own husband? Come on, folks. That ain't love. He says, it's not proud. It does not boast. It's not proud. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. (laughs) It keeps no record of wrongs. I highlighted that part, underlined it to make sure that I made sure that I stopped here. And I'm and, and just being honest, every, and, and you know, like I've done, in 21 years, I've done a lot of marriage counseling. In 21 years. So this, this doesn't mean it's relevant or, or like current, but in every, most every, let me say most, most every counseling time that we've ever sat down in, when you sit down, both spouses have a long list of all the things that mess this marriage up. Let me tell you about him. And he sits there and he's like, oh yeah, and you can feel it. Like a turkey getting ready to strut. Bring it, come on. And then all of a sudden he starts getting that and he's, he's, not easily, he's easily angered. Now he's like, let me give you my list. That ain't love. Love, it says love keeps no record of wrongs. That ain't about getting help. That's about pointing the failure that you're sitting in and trying to shift the blame to someone else rather than saying we're screwed up we need help that's in marriage counseling that's we are stupid idiots we don't know what we're doing we made a mess of this help us instead of well he well she well he well she that's the problem we've kept so many records of everybody's wrongs how do we keep it all sorted but that ain't love. See, we run from obedience. Why do we keep record of wrongs? We know that the Word of God says that we're not supposed to, but we do it anyways. You know why? Because we justify it. Let me tell you this one. Matthew chapter 5 says this, another way that we often miss obedience. Run from it. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. You've heard it said, but I tell you, this is Jesus. Jesus tells you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Sometimes we can't even love our own spouses. Sometimes we can't even pray for them. Sometimes we can't do that for our neighbor. We can't do that for someone else sitting in the same church.
He says, I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Listen to this. That you, this is a so that, so that you may be children of God. You want to be a child. How many of you want to be a child of God? I mean, honestly, I want to be a child of God. Then you are to love your neighbor. You are to love your enemy as well. And you are to pray for those who persecute you so that you can be children of God. That's not easy, is it? (laughs) The saddest part of disobedience of our disobedience is that we justify our sinful perspective by someone else's sinful behavior. Because they're doing something, we've justified why they deserve what we think they deserve. And the whole while, we're sitting in a judgment seat, which is also sin. I'm going to let that one sink in just a little bit. Huh? let me illustrate the bible says to forgive one another right maybe i'm just meddling a lot today i don't know i'm not trying to but this is i mean i'll tell you what the lord from friday morning till this very morning i feel like he gave me every one of these words and i believe it's exactly what we need today I will tell people all the time, you need to forgive them. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. And you know what I always hear come back at me? Well, I'll forgive, but I sure ain't forgetting. All right. Let me know how that works out for you. Because we immediately, immediately give ourselves our own justified way out of what God actually commands us to do. Did you know that the Bible says that we are to forgive exactly as Christ forgave you? In the same way Christ forgives you, forgive others. Did you know that that's what it says? In the same exact way that Jesus forgave you, you're supposed to forgive others. In the same way. So then how can I say, well, I won't forget this. I'll forgive, but I'm not forgetting. Guys, that is not biblical. You can't find that. In fact, if I'm going to go biblical, I'm going to see that the Bible says that I'm to forgive just as Jesus forgives. Just as God forgave me, I'm supposed to forgive others. The Bible also says that when he forgives you, your sin is as far as east is from west. He says that I'm going to make you your scarlet. I'm going to make you whiter than snow. That's what the word says. So if I'm going to forgive as God forgave me, I'm going to make, though they are scarlet, I'm going to make them whiter than snow. Because a love covers a multitude of sin. He says in Jeremiah 31, 34, God remembers their sin no more. If God remembers their sin no more, then I have no right to keep any record of anybody's sin Because then again, that's not love either, is it? You see, Jonah had not ever been cited for sin in in this. He, he He had not come to the point to where you know God was like, He He has sinned. It it, it started off, He called one of his prophets to go, to go preach the gospel. So there wasn't a sin up uh, when he ran, it was definitely. But before the the beginning of verse one in chapter one, Jonah had been not found as a, a sinful man at that moment. I'm not saying that he hadn't made sins in his life, but I'm saying is that he didn't walk into this. 
he made a decision to not obey. God called him to preach repentance to the Ninevites. Perfect. Because that's what he was called to do when he accepted the call to be a prophet of God. But, and I put two T's there in my notes, but I couldn't show you because I didn't have a slide for this, but I put a but with two T's because you know how many times you'll say something and then somebody's like, well, but... Just, just add an extra T. There's got to be one, you know, usually in most conversations. Jonah did not believe they deserved to be forgiven for all the bad that they had done. Because of all their wickedness. Because how they terribly, they, Assyria was terrible. They treated Israelites terrible. So this wasn't, they did, wasn't good landlords they were terrible landlords they were they they enslaved them they mistreated them they beat them they 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 it was a terrible terrible country he didn't believe that they had deserved it see here's the problem though the moment anyone sits on a judgment seat of god and decides what god's creation deserves or doesn't is sin the moment that any one of us sits on that that throne that doesn't belong to us, and we begin to decide in our heart what we think somebody deserves and what we... They are not my creation. I didn't create them. I'm not their God. There is a judge, and I'm not him. You see what I'm saying? People get so... How many of... Most of us, the problem that we... People who want to sit in the judgment seat is more concerned about them getting what they deserve than about changing their lives into grace and mercy and forgiveness and changing and being more Christ-like. And that's our problem. That's a major problem in our culture today is that we are too busy sitting as a judge deciding for God what should happen and what shouldn't. In all Jonah's judgments of Nineveh to prove that they didn't deserve this, God continued to show him grace and mercy every step of the way anyways. What he didn't want to offer the Ninevites, God kept giving to him, hoping that there would be an eye-opening moment. How many times has God given you what you didn't deserve because you were too busy deciding what other people deserved? You remember how much God gave you mercy and grace in that moment when you were sitting in the judgment seat? So I'm going to share something that we say in CR all the time. We need to stop playing God. The first step in CR is this, realize I'm not God. That's the first step to any kind of recovery. <laughs> realize I'm not God. And, and you know, that's usually easy to like, well, I know I'm not God. But we like playing the part of God a lot, don't we? So the second thing that we're going to see, and I'm about to... to, to that when you run, God will auto-correct you to the right path. This is great. So after he runs, he decides, I'm going to get in a boat, right? I'm going to get in this boat, and I'm going to travel. So I, I want to show you where he's traveling to. So he's over here in, in Joppa. <laughs> Nineveh's right there. And he's like, I'm going to go to Tarsus. 
I'm going to go all the way over. So he gets this in. He gets in a boat. He was like, I'm not just running to the next town. I'm getting out of Dodge. You know, I'm getting out of here. So when he gets into this boat and he starts traveling, God then, he's like, okay, this, you're not doing what I told you to do. And you know how there's natural consequences, right, to our actions and our behaviors? You know, the Bible does say you reap what you sow. So he's out there running away from God. So God sends a great wind and on the sea in a violent storm that threatened to destroy the ship. So then all of a sudden they started throwing crates and they threw in off a cargo and they're trying to lighten up the ship and, and they're like, we're going to die. And Jonah says, it's my fault. Throw me over. The moment they throwed him overboard into the water, the storm immediately stopped. And all those men believed in God. It was an amazing. That all of a sudden they're like, oh, that dude, because they were like, pray to whichever God you guys worship, maybe we'll hit the right one. That's, that was, that's, a, that's, that's a non-Christian view. It's a pagan's view. Hey, there's a whole bunch of different gods. Maybe if you get the right one, they'll put a stop to this. And he's like, I worship the one true living God. Throw me over. I screwed up. They threw him over, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, that's, that's the one. It's amazing how many people get saved in the book of Jonah without us really taking, recognizing what's really happening. Well, then, all of a sudden, he gets swallowed. Can you imagine being in there, that boat, and they're like, okay, he's the real God. And then they started making sacrifices to the real God, and all of a sudden, a big fish swallows Jonah. We're not going to worship anybody else. You know, I'm like, we're going to be good. I'm going I'm to walk the straight and narrow road. I mean, can you imagine? So God sins. See, this is an act of mercy. And a little bit of correction, a lot of correction, right? Because you know what happens is he's way over here. He needs to be over here. He's traveling the wrong way. What's repentance? Changing direction. God's like, he needs a little bit of help. He repented, throw me over, I screwed up. I'm going to help you out. <laughs> Jonah, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to send a fish and he's going to swallow you. It's better than floating back to Nineveh. So he gets a taxi. If, we ever, if you ever start a taxi service, maybe we just need to call it like, you know, fish or something, you know, like, you know, whale services. I don't know. But I always wondered, why was he in the belly of this fish for three days? Because it took three days to get to Nineveh. Come on, right? I said, why three days? I know that we use this illustration, you know, Jesus is going to be like Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three and a half. Probably that, that's a long ways to go for a fish, a big one. I'm pretty amazed by that, right? <laughs> the fish vomits him up. On the, like, ugh. I mean, he had plenty of food for three and a half days. All right, I, I just had to. I'm sorry. Okay, all right. So now, so, so he's now vomited up on the beach, right? And now he finds himself, I'm, I'm in Nineveh. <laughs> <laughs> right? So here's chapter 3. The word of, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. <laughs> Let's see if you can do this right this time. Go to the great city of Nineveh, proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed. <laughs> right? You know, after the kids get a couple of spankings in a row, they're like, okay, I don't, I remember Deacon coming to me one time, he's like, I never want to lie again. I'm like, all right, that worked. 
about after the third time, third spanking, so he started off with three swats for lying. Every time you lie, you get a spanking. So he started off with three, the next time he got four, the next time he got five, the next time he got six, and he goes, I don't want to ever lie again. And I'm like, you know what's going to happen the next time? It's like seven, you know, that's where, and, and so, you know, when they're, you know, and so he's like, I want to obey. I don't want to do that again. That is not worth it. So, so here's the thing is, is that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days for him to go through it. He's preaching the message that God gave for him three days to get through the city and tell all the people the message of God. Isn't that crazy? Forty more days, this is what he preached to them. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. You know what the Ninevites did? The Ninevites believed God. Just like that. A fast was proclaimed. All of them, the greatest to the least, and put on sackcloth. Sackcloth is like, uh, it would be like uh, camel hair. It would be a really rough, um, not very comfortable um, outfit. And they would put this on to symbol humility and lowering themselves. They would often then put ash on top of their head as a sign that they were mourning, that they were sad, that they were grieved. And fasting says, God, we're not going to eat nothing until, you make, until we can get this right with you. We live in a world that won't fast anymore. Fasting is not just about food. Fasting is about what's in the way, but what's between you and God? I would say that 90% of us is probably not food. It's probably our phone. And you know what? I bet most people would not fast from their phone if it was getting in the way between them and the Lord. That's what addiction does to you. you re- when you refuse, you notice something's getting between me and God. It's robbing me of that time. I'm spending more time on Facebook or this or that. I'm spending more time there than I am praying with the Lord. And now I'm, my prayer with the Lord is not really all that great anymore and be, because my heart is given to something else. And you tell somebody, hey, you need to, you need to fast from your phone. No, I can't. Oh, you can. We lived a long time without phones. Did just fine without them. So... <clears throat> So this fast was commanded. It went down. He said, he rose the king from the greatest to the least. When Jonah's warding reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat in dust. This is the proclamation he issued by the decree of the king of, and his nobles. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let anything uh, do, not, uh, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone, everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw that, that what they did... And how they turned from their evils. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. You see, what God wants is a change of direction. What God wants is us to change. He wants us to be obedient to him. He wants us to follow his word. That's what he wants. Hmm. 
So Jonah teaches us this. Never forget the mission of God. Never forget the mission of God. One of the things I remember learning uh, as a young minister, um, a couple of first couple of churches I ever had pastored, I had remembered somebody, you know, I was really frustrated about a lot of things that were happening, and, um, and I was like, I think we, I think, I think, I think, and, and I remember this really wise minister said, man, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about what your preferences are. So somebody prefers hymns and somebody else prefers praise music. Somebody prefers, it's not about your preferences. It's all about God and it's about his kingdom. And when you get that figured out, you go a lot better. It's not about Jonah and what Jonah thinks. It's not the kingdom of Jonah. It's the kingdom of God. See, when we quit putting ourselves in a judgment seat, when we quit playing God, we remember and realize there is a God. I'm not him. It's all about him. It's all about his kingdom, and I need to get on mission with God. If it wasn't for that mission, none of us would be sitting in here today. If God wasn't really concerned about building his kingdom and about saving grace and saving mercy, not one of us would be here. What's amazing is that Nineveh was a pagan city and they believed God. They called themselves to fasting. Here's a pagan city. They don't really know much about the Jewish God. But they sure figured some things out. They knew that the Hebrews would put sackcloth on, that they would put ashes on their head, that they would call a fast, and they would repent of their ways. They learned enough to go, okay, this is what they do when they mess up, and they did it. Can you imagine that? A pagan city would say, hey, we got more gods than you, because that's what a pagan would say. I, could, I got all kinds of gods. You only have one. And here's the deal, we've conquered you. You are subject to us. So we already defeated you. Why do you think that we would relent to your God? You see, because back then they would say, well, if I defeated you, then my God's more powerful than you. That's how they thought. But here are a, a pagan city, all of them repenting and turning to God. How amazing! Wouldn't that be the, the greatest revival maybe ever recorded in history? What happened in Nineveh? So let's see how Jonah responds. <laughs> but to Jonah, oh man, come on, right? But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. God, you're wrong. Oh man, right? You guys followed me on this? I mean, you guys are seeing this. He became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? This is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarsus. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. What a baby. Right? Man, how often are we big babies? Think about that. 
Don't we do the same thing? God, I don't even want to live if you're going to forgive that person. I don't even want to live. God, I hate. We get so mad and angry because God chooses to give mercy to somebody we don't want him to give mercy to. I told you it was a heavy one. Take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? <laughs> is it right? Jonah, is it, a, is it your right, Jonah? Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I created all the grass and the land and the seas? Where were you when I created the trees and people? Where were you, Jonah? Who are you to be angry? Come on, guys. Is it right? Do you have a right to be angry? When right doesn't feel good. Right? As, as, as he said, this didn't seem right to Jonah and he became angry. It was the right thing that God wanted, but it didn't feel good to Jonah because he didn't think it was right. See, what happens is when we have our own rights and we create our own way and that way is not God's way, then we get angry at God because he has a different plan than I do. Far often we respond raw, unfiltered emotion when we don't agree with what is right. <laughs> to Jonah this seemed angry, or didn't wrong, he was angry. He became the judge, the executioner, but here's the deal, God is judge. God will execute judgment when God is good and ready if he wants to. What was jo Jonah's job? What was Jonah's job? To preach repentance. That was his job. To, to offer and, and, and let them know that this road is going to lead you down a wrong path. You're on the wrong road, brother. That's what his job was, to warn people of God's judgment. Let's look at verses 5 through 9. Jonah had then gone out and sat on a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. What do you think he really wanted to see happen to the city? Right, I mean, think about this. Why did he go to the, he went away from the city, sat, a, you know, well, I want to watch what's going to happen to the city, but I don't want to be close to it because I'm thinking that God's going to destroy it, so I can't wait to see this happen. He went to see the fireworks. We kind of have a habit of doing that too, don't we? We like to get involved in the fireworks. So Jonah wanted to go see the fireworks. He made a little shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what God would do. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about, about the plant. He's happy about the plant. Thank you for the plant. Isn't it amazing? I mean... If I were God in that moment, I would have just let that son bake that little sucker's head. <laughs> How many of you would have said that that's what Jonah deserved, right? Jonah, sit in the sun and I'm going to make it extra, extra crispy today. I'm going to have me some fried Jonah, you know. I mean, that's what he deserves, right? But then again, who am I to say what Jonah deserves? 
Jonah, or what God decided is, I'm going to show him a grace and a mercy that he doesn't deserve. I'm going to give him a plant that provides shade and comfort for his time. Well, when the sun rose, or okay, through the night, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. The sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die. Now it's the second time that he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Remember, God asked him, is it right, is it, is it, are, is it right for you to be angry? You remember that? He didn't answer the question, did he? Jonah didn't answer about the people if it was his right to be angry or not, but he's sure going to give an answer now. Jonah says, God says, is it right for you to be? Jonah says, it is, and I'm so angry I want to die. I am so angry. But the Lord said to him, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow it sprang up overnight and died overnight and should i not have concern for the great city of nineveh which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left you're more concerned about a plant than 120,000 souls headed for hell what's wrong with you We get concerned about ourselves. We get more concerned about what I think and what I perceive and what I want. Who created the people of Nineveh? Who's their creator? Come on, who's their creator? God. He created them. If you are a creation of God, does God love you? So did he love Nineveh? Did he want Nineveh to go to hell? No! Mm. Do we have a right to be angry? Do you know how often we get our emotions caught up into circumstances, right? And those emotions then tell us we have a right to be angry. How many of you have been caught up in circumstance or crisis, something happening in your life, and that emotion tells you that you have the right to be angry? So let me tell you about your right to be angry. Biblically, I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm just going to tell you what God says. <clears throat> so get mad at him, all right? Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of all, not some, all. Get rid of it. If you're angry, get rid of it. You know how you get rid of anger? Forgive. Recipe. Ephesians 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. James 1.20 and 21. Uh-oh. I lost a page. Okay, there it is. 
Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Let me say that again. Because human anger. See, God knows how to deal with anger because he's God. Human anger does not produce righteousness that God requires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God which is planted in you, which can save you. Hmm. See here, what happens is this, when we are left to ourselves, the things that we are concerned about are not the same as the Lord. His concerns are much, much higher than our concerns. Jonah was concerned about the sun. He was concerned about them getting what they deserved. Jonah was concerned about what if they continue to live, will they continue to mistreat us? But as Isaiah 55, 9 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. He's saying in the same way that the heaven is higher than the earth, the same height. Do you guys know how high heaven is versus how, how he's saying in this, that same distance, my ways higher than your ways. So is that a lot or a little? That's a lot. God's saying my ways are so much higher than your ways you can't even measure it. My thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts that you can't even measure it. Hmm. So I want you to bow your heads today. I want you to consider, I know that this message is for somebody, I don't know who, maybe a whole bunch of somebodies, but I do know that this message came from the Lord. So your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, and I'm hoping that throughout this entire time together today that you have been reflecting that. What would God have? Maybe you're the one sitting in the place of like the Ninevites, and you feel attacked, you feel... Um, that, that, that no one wants you to succeed, that you, you may, be, may be feeling like, you know, man, I've been so wicked, I don't even know that I can be forgiven. I'm telling you that God is willing and wants to forgive you. There are so many people who think that they do so much, that they're so bad that God can't forgive. So with your heads bowed in your eyes, has there anybody here that says, I feel like I'm so bad that God can't even forgive me? Is there anybody in this house that feels that way? Okay. That is a lie straight from hell. That is a lie straight from the deepest part of hell. There is nothing that God can't forgive. Okay? Whatever you think you've done that He's not willing to forgive, He forgave the Ninevites. And they treated His people terribly. So if you feel like you're walking down a path that you've done so much wrong that God can't forgive you, then I want you to ask Him right now, God, please forgive me. Turn from those ways. Choose God's way. It's not just about saying sorry, God. It's about saying sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. And if you have to fall on your knees every single day, then you fall on your knees every single day. You don't stop falling on your knees. 
Maybe you're on the side of maybe Jonah. Maybe today you're kind of said, man, I have, I have been sitting on this stupid judgment seat and I've been in judgment of so many different people and I've been thinking that so many people deserve whatever I think that they deserve. And maybe today you're realizing that you have been standing in, this, in, in the wrong, you've been sitting in the wrong seat. Is there anybody today, head, heads bowed, eyes closed, is there anybody today that says, I've been sitting in that judgment seat far too long? Today you dethrone yourself. I'm not God. That's not my place. It's not my job. And you ask God to forgive you for that. God, forgive me for standing in judgment of your creation. Doing the right thing doesn't always feel good. And a lot of times it doesn't. But we're still called to do the right thing. This altar is open. If you need to give some things to Him, if maybe you feel like everything's crashing down in your life and you just need to call out to God, come right now. Don't wait. Maybe there's some things in your life right now that God is showing you. Maybe He's showing you this right path. You know what the right thing to do, but you're running. Maybe some of you right now are running from God. If you're running from God, come down right now and stop running today. Don't be afraid of the altar. If you've been running from God, come and say, God, I'm done running. I'm done hiding. I'm done running for your will. I know you want me to follow you. God, I'm following you today. If you've been sitting on a judgment seat and judgment of others, Come lay that down right now. Just put it at the altar and say, God, I'm done judging people. It's so tiring and so exhausting, and I'm not doing a good job. God, I'm done playing God in my life right now. If you need to just ask for forgiveness, then come ask for forgiveness. Say, God, I need your help. The sin just keeps racking up in my life, and I just need help.